It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. The topic is under the umbrella of one of the things that we feel very passionate about here, and that is that we create an environment that is challenging. So I'm going to kind of talk through a little bit of what that means. Before I do, I'm going I'm to share a little piece of history here. This you can find in the book of Acts chapter 17. And there is a nugget in here, in a seemingly meaningless paragraph and passage that you would easily read through and read over, a nugget that is so vital to our modern day existence. See if you pick it up, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 10, says, That night, under cover of darkness... Their friends got Paul and Silas out of town as fast as they could. They sent them to Berea, where they again met with the Jewish community. They were treated a lot better there than they were in Thessalonica. The Jews received Paul's message with enthusiasm and met with him daily, examining the scriptures to see if they supported what he was actually saying. Now, a lot of them became believers, including many Greeks who were prominent in the community, women and men of influence. There you have it. Now, I'm going to come back to that, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about something real quick that ties into the night, and it is, it is really this idea of propaganda. Because my belief is that propaganda is one of hell's most lethal weapons on humanity. Now, a quick Wikipedia recap on propaganda. Propaganda is information that is not objective and is used primarily to influence an audience and further an agenda. It's often presented by uh, facts that are selectively chosen to encourage a particular perception, or perhaps using loaded language to produce an emotional rather than rational response to the information that is, in fact, being presented. So we break down this idea of propaganda and how it actually works. There are several techniques to this that you're well familiar with. And when any presidential election comes around, you'll see every single piece of them all in play. But here are a few. One is called name-calling. Name-calling is my favorite because it kind of gets its name from the schoolyard definition that you would think of name-calling. And if you've been in an argument with anyone and you're throwing facts, facts, opinions, facts, facts, and then you just get to a point where you say, man, you're stupid. Right? Back in third grade, it was, no, 
you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Man, your mama's so fat, Dora the Explorer can't even know where she's going. It was, your mama's so ugly that, boom, that was name-calling. See, name-calling does something. It, it throws a bomb on a situation like, a, like calling a presidential candidate a, uh, a thief, a liar, a criminal, a womanizer. Boom, name-calling. All of a sudden, the topic is diverted. Your attention is diverted. It's propaganda. It gets better. There's some of these other ones. The bandwagon technique. Here's what the bandwagon technique is. Now, it taps in to this idea that we all want to be on the winning team. So, go back to a presidential election. Obviously, if you vote for one candidate, then you hate unborn babies, right? You want to see them all murdered. If you vote for the other candidate, well, clearly you hate women and minorities, right? So a bandwagon technique will throw things out to show you oftentimes that, that maybe one side is clearly right or, more importantly, winning. And you want to be on the winning team, don't you? That's propaganda. Then there's something called card stacking, which we're all guilty of. Card stacking is just presenting evidence upon evidence upon evidence, but it's only one side of the evidence. It's not presenting both sides of the evidence. It's as if you're in a courtroom and only one attorney gets to speak and the other one has to remain silent and the jury is making a decision based on a one-sided case. That's card stacking. And then there's the plain folks technique. The plain folks technique is we point to someone and say, see, if this person can do it, this everyday Joe, like, I don't know, Subway Jared, before he got into the mess that he got into, I don't know about any of that. I just know that at one time, everybody pointed to this guy and said, see how much weight he lost? And he's just an average guy. And all he did was go to Subway. It's propaganda. Of course, what they didn't show is how much Subway Jared actually worked his ass off in the gym they didn't, they didn't show you any of that part. They just showed you what they wanted to show you. So here's the deal. Back to this little nugget of scripture in Acts 17. The Bereans, the Bereans of all people, found some sort of way to cut through the hype, cut through the noise, and they were immune to propaganda. So how did they do it? Well, to flip back to the verse, here's the peace that made them immune. After hearing all the hype from Paul and Silas about this Jesus guy, what did the Bereans do? Well, it says here that they examined the scriptures to see if they supported what they were really saying. And so, for us, in a modern-day world, we have to understand a couple of things. One, that obviously propaganda is everywhere. It's news, it's TV, it's media, it's blogs, it's, it's, it's you know, movies, it's plays, books. I mean, you can't go anywhere without... I can't, you can't watch a, a series about 
vampires who fall in love and and then there's werewolves without there being propaganda built into a movie and a book series like that. It's absolutely everywhere. So with that being the case, one of the things that we have to do is we process information in 2018 is we have to, like the Bereans, be able to separate emotion from reason. And honestly, when it comes to Religion, we don't do that very well. In fact, religion is one of those places where we say, hey, it's either all emotion or all reason, but we don't look for both because we believe that, hey, it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe because that's up to you. We don't need reason. There's no reason to prove anything because you can't prove anything. And the person who says you can't prove anything is, in fact, the very person who has bought the, uh, their own propaganda by not objectively seeking the evidence. And I say that because I too was forced to, grow to go to church like a lot of people. And uh, at some point I started to question the whole thing. But I was told, of course, that reason isn't here. It's about faith. It's about believing. Check your mind at the door is kind of the underlying principle there made me question that. So when I got to college and started to have doubts and people started to talk about Christianity specifically as a bunch of propaganda made me wonder what is really real. And so I went on my own little quest. And here's the way I started my quest. I didn't want God to be real. I didn't want God to be real for some reasons. Here they were. One, um, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to drink. I want to have sex. I want to do whatever it is. And I want to be accountable to anyone. What human being wants to be accountable to anyone? That's number one. Number two, I revert back to number one. I don't want to be accountable to anyone. Now, there were reasons where I would like to believe in God, but I would like to believe in a God that is an easier version of Christianity without all the rules. One that allows me to enter in to blissful eternity, knowing that at my core, I'm just a good person. Is that so much to ask? I mean, I'm better than most on this world, in this planet, on this world. Anyway, I went into it with that bias, but I knew I couldn't maintain that bias. And so in my pursuit of reason and finding and looking at science and evidence behind all of the world's histories, there were some religions that really stood out to me that I really, really, really wanted to believe in because, man, that would make for a laid-back, chill time here on earth. And then there was this Christianity. And wouldn't you know it, every time I went to a bookstore, I could only find the apologetic section on Christianity. There was no apologetics on Islam, on Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism, you name it. And that frustrated me. And so after years of searching to try to find a reason to not believe in Jesus, I had to follow the evidence like so many have before me. Now, if you haven't been on that journey, I encourage you to do it. 
I'm not saying it's going to lead to the same place it led me, but if you were looking at the same evidence and we both go into it with no preconceived ideas of what we want to really believe and we're truly open and objective, then like the Bereans, we're immune to the propaganda around us. We're immune to the propaganda within us that says, I want God to be like this. Therefore, I will search for evidence that supports my idea of what God should be. If you do that, you've already failed. So what does this have to do with Equinox and creating a challenging environment? Well, you know, the, the truth is that what we aspire to be here in this community is really one that won't settle. We aspire to be a people, a group that challenges one another to not settle for the status quo, that, that's willing to like, have the hard discussions in life, that's willing to love one another and kind of be friends even when we don't get along and are kind of pissed off and annoyed with one another because that's a lot of what we see being modeled biblically and it seems to have a lot of wisdom in it. We also aspire to be a group here that doesn't settle for what's happening now, but one that says, you know what? We still have areas we can grow personally, professionally, and spiritually. And we're not going to just hide in a church and, and soak in all this knowledge only to do nothing with it in the community, in the world that'll actually make a difference. No, we're going we're gonna to go into the world and use our gifts and passions, and we're going to be the best, we're gonna be the, the best chauffeurs and Uber drivers we can be. We're going to be the best engineers, the best pilots, the best doctors. We're going to be the best fathers, the best mothers, the best neighbors. We're going to be the best at whatever we choose to do because we're not going to settle because life here is short and we have all of eternity to answer for what we do in this short time here on earth so we can go about running a rat race or we can adopt a family a community that is designed to be challenging so that's kind of our prayer that tonight as we take time to reflect, think about the Bereans and how they didn't just buy the hype and emotionalism behind all these people who were claiming to see someone raised from the dead and miracles were happening, so forth and so on. They took it a step further and married their emotion with reason. And when the two came together, they found a path that they weren't going to deviate from. As you write, as you draw, as you walk around, chill in a hammock, take communion, I pray that you will consider the propaganda around you in this world. How much of it have you fallen for? And how much of it, like the Bereans, have you been able to push through to find what's really real? I've been unwise 
restless from the cradle. From Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.